The scripture today is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 14 to 23. He is sending them thanks for their gifts. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Finally, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Before I start talking at you for a while, we're going to have a little game. At the ends of the rows, there are some Bibles, and I'm going to ask you to do this in groups. So I would like this part of the church, could you look up Acts 13.50? Because we're looking up five different verses to find out what Paul's situation was like. So this group here, Acts 13.50. This group here, Acts 14.19. This group here, Acts 21.33. This section here, Acts 27.41. And then the band, who never get to do anything. We're going to ask them to look up Acts 28.16, please. Right. Could someone from this section please read out Acts 13.50? But the Jewish leaders incited the warfare's will of bystanders and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them. Expelled them. Okay. Right. So Paul's been expelled. Okay. Can I have someone from this section please read 14.19 out loud? Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. So we've had him expelled, and now we've had him stoned. Excellent. Right, thank you. And now here, who's got a big voice and we'll do Acts 20? Thank you. Ah, oh, super. The commander came up and arrested him, and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. So we've had him expelled, stoned, and... 
arrested, arrested and bound, but arrested. Yeah. Now, Acts 27:41. Who can do that for me in this group? Okay, there's one word we can use for that. Exactly. Thank you. So, expelled, stoned, arrested, shipwrecked. Now the last one. Uh, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier's guard. Where was he? House arrest. Imprisoned under house arrest. Okay. So we've got expelled, stoned, arrested, shipwrecked, house arrest. And basically, that is how Paul's life went. It was quite an adventure. He had it rough. We've only touched on it in our verse search, actually, because he goes into more detail in one of his other letters to Corinthians, where he tells us, I have been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten and with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked and I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have to say, in South Africa, we say the word chrul, okay? That means you get like a cold shiver. The idea of being left in the open sea gives me a chrul because it's just, it hits all my terror. It's a lot of hardship to deal with. And yet it really isn't reflected in the letter to the Philippians that we've been studying over the past few weeks. Despite the fact that it was written, as Patrick reminded us last week, in Rome, when he was under imprisonment. Instead, Paul writes a letter celebrating who Jesus is and how we can put our confidence in him, as we have seen over the past few weeks. In fact, you can go back through all the talks we have, because we have a podcast that you can, you can subscribe to, or if you want to look at it all, the whole service, you can see them on YouTube. <clears throat> and you can hear how, how, among other things, Paul wrote about how God is working in us, how we should reverently fear and completely trust God for his salvation and grace. We've heard about how we can tell God about all our anxieties and that he helps us through them. And we've explored about having true contentment based on God. And Paul wrote about all these things while being imprisoned under house arrest and having experienced all those terrifying experiences, including being in the open sea a whole day. It shows that it puts a new spin on what Paul experienced when he says that he can trust in God for his provision and strength. It's quite inspiring. It reminds us that we can have complete confidence in Jesus Christ because as Paul has written earlier in this letter to the Philippians, Jesus is in his very nature God. 
That's from Philippians 2, verse 6. We've looked at Paul's circumstances when he wrote this letter, and it's kind of mind-blowing how he kept going, actually. That's what you call having resilience. In the film Finding Nemo, it's called Just Keep Swimming, but it's the same thing. It's having resilience in the face of difficulty and resistance. But we need to look at what was going on with the Philippians to understand how this letter would have impacted them. This is an important thing to do because it's easy to think about those early Christians as being all on fire for God and that they were giants of the faith. And that's what got them through everything. But actually, like you and me, they were working out their salvation, living their faith every day, sometimes in really difficult circumstances. Philippi was a Roman colony. And according to one of my favourite textbooks, An Introduction to the New Testament by David De Silva, this would have meant that it was likely that the Philippian Christians would have experienced, at the least, hostility from the other residents of the city, since their new commitment to Jesus as Lord was in direct conflict with their obligation to Rome and her Lord, the Emperor. Because the Roman Christians, they would have had to stand up against the cult of the emperor, which was basically worshipping the emperor. So they were in direct conflict with the authorities in Philippi. I have to tell you that that often meant a financial penalty because people wouldn't trade with them. And it also could have meant physical danger. Okay, but, but despite this difficulty, as this letter points out, the Philippian Christians have financially supported Paul's ministry in the past. And in fact, for a while, they were the only church that did so. And they have managed once again to put together another gift to help him. Paul thanks them for their support in this part of the letter. And he says that their gifts are a fragrant offering to God. They have had their share of difficulty um, too. And it's quite possible that they're not giving out of their place of abundance. As I pointed out, there would have been potential financial impact on them. So they're probably struggling. So they've given out of a place of want, potentially. But this letter is not only a letter to say thank you to them for what they've done, it's also to give them encouragement and support and to teach them more about Jesus, which brings us around to our reading for this week. There are two verses that I'd particularly like us to revisit. And the first one is, it's our key verse for this week. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And the second verse is, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul writes this after saying how he's had to learn to go without. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in each and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Patrick looked at that verse for it with us last week, focusing on true contentment. But it also feeds into what we are thinking about today, the topic of provision and need. It's only when we know true contentment, true trust in God, that we come to understand what God's provision and strength are 
and how they can help us. Paul says, God will provide for all your needs. But what is the difference between want and need? Can anyone tell me what the difference is between want and need? Because it's quite a challenge for us in the 21st century. What is something you want? I would rather get it. Yeah. So you, you're saying that need is about essential stuff. Yeah, want is what you want your wishes. Your wishes, your desires. Thank you. Yes? Is it similar Bingo. Thank you. Yes, ex- exactly. Both these answers are really helpful. Needs are those things that are essential, vital, not just desirable. Things that support your physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual well-being. On a basic level, things like food, water, shelter, air, medicine, but also the need for safety, security, love, family, community, relationships, self-esteem, and being fulfilled. That famous scientist that Jackie mentioned, Maslow, put them in this list called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It's not definitive, but it's helpful, and it lists lots of other things too. And you can look it up online. The amazing thing is that the psychologists and scientists identify all these individual needs, and the Bible simply answers it with one sentence. God will meet all your needs. And let's take a moment so, then to be really honest with ourselves when we think God will meet all your needs, and think about this. Who or what do you actually rely on to meet your needs? And do you believe that God does supply all your needs? It's tough, isn't it? It's tough to be honest with ourselves, and it's tough to really rely on God to meet all our needs. Because the right answer is that we should look to God. But if we're quite honest with ourselves, even as people who are committed Christians, quite often that probably isn't the truth. As human beings, we are quite self-sufficient. We often look to our jobs to give us personal fulfillment or financial provision, forgetting that actually God provided the job in the first place. We might decide that the only way to be strong is to push ourselves physically so that we can run marathons or climb mountains. There's nothing wrong with running marathons or climbing mountains, as my husband gives me dagger eyes. Um, Nothing wrong with it. But if it is the way that we see ourselves providing for our physical needs and bolstering our self-esteem and not looking to God for that provision and strength, there's a problem. We might look to our husbands or wives, our parents or children or friends to have our emotional and spiritual needs fulfilled. God provides community for us, but he also wants us to rely on him. It's a huge burden to expect somebody else to fulfill all your needs, all your emotional 
and spiritual needs. We need to look to God to do that. Or perhaps, as Patrick talked about last week, we try and fulfill that spiritual need with shopping for nice things or Netflix. You see, we live in a world where it is easy to forget the difference between desire and need. Or to put it another way, we live in a world of affluenza. We even have songs about it. The Spice Girls belted out in the 90s, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I'm not going to sing it, I promise. <laughs> and before that, Freddie Mercury and Queen sang, I want it all and I want it now. Sounds like a toddler having a tantrum. But actually, it's often what's inside us. Giving voice to the thought that endlessly pursuing what we want and desire, whether it's the latest PlayStation, designer dress, flash car or holiday, is seen as okay in our world. Where desire and greed encourages us to take out masses of credit so that we become wealthy poor. Wealthy because we have lots of stuff. Because, and we have a heap of debt that... that the statistics are terrifying. I decided not to share them, but I looked them up. Britain owes, as a community, billions, billions in credit card debt. But we are poor because it's stunted our spiritual development, having all this access to credit and stuff. We have a tiny hinterland of faith. And we seem to have lost touch as a nation with where our provision and strength really come from, as Paul reminds us in his letter from God. And yet we have a nagging question that we also need to acknowledge. If Paul said, God will meet all your needs, how come he went hungry? How come people are struggling to find homes, jobs, and food in this world? It, it's a tricky question, and we should not shy away from it. We have to engage with the tricky questions, and we have to acknowledge there are no easy answers. Yes, we do live in a broken world, where some folks' greed leads to other people's need. But there is also a more nuanced way to think about it. Perhaps the answer comes in part from Jesus' words to the devil when he was being tempted in the wilderness. He said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4 God provided wisdom, peace, strength, as Jesus endured his time in the wilderness. He does the same for us. How does God meet all our needs? Listen carefully. God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. It's not just about stuff. God's provision, his meeting our needs, 
is through His grace, His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That is through salvation freely available to all His people, given to us by God. When we have faith and trust in God, no matter what we face, we can be certain of his grace, his love, his care, his provision and accompaniment throughout our whole lives. There is a story Paul tells in 2 Corinthians of how he asked God to do something for him three times. He calls it the thorn in his side. Nobody knows what it is. There's many suppositions. It doesn't matter. The fact is, he asked God three times to take, his, take it away and to meet that need in the way that Paul wanted. But God's answer to that need was not to fix the problem. Instead, Paul writes, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm going to just diverge and tell you something because it's absolutely true. This morning, I had a migraine. I could not get out of bed. I had all the horrible symptoms that go along with the migraine, including nausea and vomiting. I also knew that Rosie has had COVID and I knew there was no way that I could duck out. And I kept, I was, so, I would say, I said to Ross, if I am, if I was not on duty this morning, I would be staying in bed. God got me here. God got me up these stairs. God has taken away my migraine. I, I puked up all the medication. He took away my migraine. I don't feel like I've got a migraine. Normally, it would take a whole day to recover. I'm not claiming a miraculous healing. What I'm saying is that in my weakness, God made me strong to come here today and share with you. He provides. When we are weak, when we allow ourselves to be human and don't try to provide for ourselves or strive by ourselves, when we rely on God, then His provision and His grace come to us. And sometimes it's not to overcome something. It's not to work a way to avoid it. No, it's grace and strength and to provision to go through something. Paul said he had learned to be content in all circumstances. That contentment was God's provision. It's not something that you come by naturally. It was God's provision so that he could face those circumstances. That is God's amazing grace that Paul writes about to his friends in Philippi. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, he says. It strengthens them. It strengthens us. There is a wonderful story I used to read to my children. It's called Going on a Bear Hunt. 
by Michael Rosen. A family decide to go on a bear hunt and every time they come to an obstacle, they discover they can't go over it. They can't go under it. No, they have to go through it. They have to be strong and courageous to go forward. And that is what Paul is trying to show us. We can't go over the heartbreak. We can't go under the troubles. We have to go through them. But God will provide for us in amazing ways while we do. For as Paul wrote in Romans, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul went through it all and yet said, God provides for our needs. God's provision comes through his grace, resilient faith to travel through. The psalmists knew this. One of them, David, had his fair share of problems, but was also called a man after God's own heart. And he wrote, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His provision, his strength by his grace. To close, I would like to share two short verses from the book Tides and Seasons by David Adams. A reminder that God is our provider and our strength. In your walking, God. In your talking, God. In your life, God. In your strife, God. In your seeing, God. In your being, God. In your days, God. In your ways, God. In your night, God. In your plight, God. In your reason, God. In every season, God. Lord, you are grace for our needs strength for our weakness, light for our blindness, love for our loneliness, word for our deafness, joy for our weariness, peace for our anxiousness, wonder for our dullness, saviour for our hopelessness. Lord, you are grace for our needs. Amen.